everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening. And uh, as is the case, because I'm recording this on the 12th of December, a Merry Christmas. And this may well go out um, in the new year, but um, I hope uh, that everybody, when they do have listened to this, has had a, a wonderful Christmas, a safe Christmas, um, a busy one for some, a quieter one for others, um, as our year comes to an end. And, uh, and another year on the podcast as well. And um, a great episode today. Um, to to sort of bring potentially the recording of the podcast certainly um, to a close this year. Um, we're going to be welcoming a guest who has not joined us on the podcast before, but I'll tell you what, instead of going through the introduction about what we're going to be speaking about, why don't we just get our guest on and dive straight into it? We'll do things a little bit differently today. My guest today is the Managing Director of London-based brand experience agency, Chorus, joins us today from their base in southwest London. It is their managing director, Andrew Perrett. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Afternoon, James. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Um, yeah, and th thanks for joining us. As I said, from your from your base in um, in southwest London, in um, in the lovely lovely part of the world in Fulham, I believe. Um, thanks for joining us. And as I said, uh, London-based brand experience agency Chorus. But I suppose maybe the first thing to get off the bat here, particularly in light of something that we're going to be talking about, is even though you're London-based, it's very much you, you're a global agency. You're working on stuff internationally, particularly at the moment. Yes, yes, indeed. So we, we are London-based, as you say, but we do deliver globally. We're, we're very lucky to work with a number of our brands in a global capacity. So um, very few of our uh, clients happen to be based in London, which isn't by design necessarily, just more uh, organically. That's how things have turned out. But um, I've just got back from Singapore. We delivered a brand experience. Uh, a few weeks prior to that, we were in Sydney. We've got Events are coming up sort of immediately in the new year in Dublin, North America, as well as around the UK and, and continental Europe. So we're very fortunate. It's uh, lovely to be back and uh, complaining about uh, air traffic control and um, <laughs> baggage yeah. delays and things like that, I have to say. Yeah, and of course, global logistics, um, yes. Which, yes. which is which is another thing that we all had to sort of park for, um, I don't know, to, to 12 to 18 months or so, wasn't it? Global logistics. And uh, no yeah. doubt that's playing a part in some of the, the productions that uh, that you're, you, you've you had on in the last few months. Indeed. And it's a delight to have the problems, <laughs> I have to say. Um, I mean, I, I know many of us through lockdown learned a lot of lessons. I don't know if you could... If you could turn the tap back on, I don't know if I'd ever want to go back to the amount of trouble we were doing mm. prior to 2020, but it's certainly nice to be back and around and um, out and about in all the different markets. Absolutely. Um, the, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure whether or not we can we can name check. Um, I think there was a press release that went out about the, the, the job that you, you were working on in Singapore, which uh, for context, everybody, we're recording this on the 12th of December. Um, so uh, five days ago, uh, there was a, 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 an event that went live in Singapore that Chorus uh, were very much behind. Um, and yeah, I, I, before I shout the name out, I'll just check, yeah. Andrew, that we, we can we can mention the client. I'm, I'm, I haven't expressly asked permission, but I'm, I'm sure it would be a problem at all. Okay, well, we, we, shall, we shall say a global drinks brand. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy because I think it's relevant uh, in the context, uh, if, if we want to talk about it. it uh, one of our clients is Diageo, and we're very fortunate to work with a number of their brands, and one of them being Johnny Walker. We've worked across the trademark um, mm -hmm. for a number of years, but they have a luxury... Um, 
a product within their range, which is the Johnny Walker Blue Label whiskey. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And there, there's a real, a real push uh, behind that, both this year going into next year. I believe, don't, I, I can't say this as fact, but I believe it is now the fastest growing uh, whiskey in the luxury sector. Um, some of the uh, some of the team mentioned to me the other day, which is fantastic news. But um, it is the the blue label, and that's relevant because of the challenge to us was how to work with a a luxurious brand that might be you know, relatively new to to that world, and we're part of that process of, of positioning them as a luxury icon, and that's really informed the creative. Mm -hmm. uh, and and the reason that we mention that is is because so what one of the things that we would hope had hoped to talk to Andrew about on on today's podcast is is what does the sort of the next wave of events look like and um, we've already alluded to the fact that, that that you know a lot of people don't would never want things to go back to fully the way they were you know pre pandemic because of of all of the stuff that we've learned and and and, and all of the things that we've now been able to do call it in a more streamlined fashion, I suppose, uh, post-pandemic, as, um, as we've all gone back to live events. Uh, and something that, that I picked out in reading the information that was sent to me ahead of the podcast today is, is we've all heard of immersive experiences, and, and that, that, that phrase was used to describe the, the, the Johnny Walker event that you put on. But when I was reading about the, the, the approach that you have to productions, Andrew, and, and I suppose the ethos that underpins what you're doing as, a, as an agency, is this approach to us, I suppose, like a theatrical element to the to the productions. Um, you know, we've all heard of what immersive experiences are. We've all seen brand activations on a simplistic level. But I'm curious to sort of tap into a little bit about your thinking behind how you bring some of these theatrical production elements into something like a, an immersive brand experience for a, 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 a drink like Johnny Walker. Um, yeah, I, I suppose that in response to that, the first thing around immersive experiences is, as you say, it's it's uh, it's very prevalent at the moment, and I think we're now dealing with such an educated audience that um, I'm sure you you perhaps have shared my experience where we've felt a little let down at times where you've attended something that's been promoted as a genuinely immersive or experiential event um, and it perhaps hasn't quite reached the expectation of an audience and and that's that's for you know from my perspective as an audience member for public ticketed shows and things like that and I just think the your theatricality and what we bring to that we we have an internal working term about radical creative and mm. that's really just a, a bit of a north star and to keep keep ourselves always trying to think of something that is genuinely going to be a slight, slightly different or, or removed from what the obvious answer to any particular you know, brief or project might be. And I think that sense of, of the theatre involved is what can create the experience. It doesn't need to rely on a venue. It doesn't need to rely on uh, no natural light. It doesn't need to rely on a three mil pitch lead screen or HD content. It's it's the idea, I suppose, and it's living and dying by the idea is I the, the ethos that we try and bring to that. And therefore, if you make a claim that you're doing something that's going to have you know, an impact on an audience, mm -hmm. then you know, within a reasonable expectation of you know, what, what you're working on, we'd, we'd like to think we can deliver that. 
And it's interesting just reading some of the, the, the more spe sort of specific details, I suppose, about the production element of the um, uh, of the activation over in Singapore. It, it is the, um, uh, I'm, I'm reading here, 3D audio soundscape designed using cutting edge binaural sound design techniques. And I'm I'm just thinking, just, well, straight away, that that comes down to, to, to one of the oldest sort of tricks in the theatrical book of, of accompanying music you know a soundtrack to in, encourage emotion and to provoke emotion we see it in film we see it in theater we see it in musical theater um and and i guess that's that's one of the sort of the oldest techniques in the book isn't it to bring sound to enhance another experience yeah very much and i, I know it can all get wordy doesn't it? it doesn't exactly trip off the tongue when you start trying to describe some of these elements but that that's exactly it and and again using that that example um as a case study, when the brief the brief was to genuinely change the the execution of a, a luxury brand experience for a drinks brand, mm -hmm. and whilst there are many excellent examples done by some fabulous agencies around the world, we wanted to bring a slightly unique um, take, particularly around obviously the brand story and the credentials that we were working with, um, and it's, of course it makes makes any agency's life much easier when the when the core product or the core brand or service is excellent anyway. Mm. Um, but I think what we tried to do there with the with the the theater cues is we genuinely wanted to be sensorial. So if we were going to say or do something around audio, it really needed to be genuinely unique and interesting and relevant and have a have a, a purpose and a a reason for doing it um, and in that in that particular case the the soundscape that we we have landed with and we worked with a fabulous editor it really does take you emotionally to another place mm. and that is all part of the journey that someone goes through and for that particular experience it's about 20 minutes long and the intention is to quite genuinely try and take people out of their immediate present and sort of transcend their environment and take them to somewhere that they feel a connection with with what's going on and and as you say theatrical cues are, are the way to hopefully achieve that and and of course I, I suppose in in some respects as well that's that's one of the key elements to provoking a long-term experience as well it's not it's not just about that 20 minutes that they're experiencing there but the, the experience is one that within that 20 minutes is effectively locking something into that person's sort of psyche in a way that then associates all of those senses and that experience with that particular with that particular drink and that go and that's not just for that drink I guess that goes with with any client that you're working with when you're looking to create an experience mm. that ties their branding with 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 with, with a maybe something in a short amount of time but for a longer term impact oh absolutely and you know in a in a in a commercial environment you know we're we're trying to create brand advocates and and brand fans so we're hoping the experience is genuinely entertaining and you know quite sincerely something they you know the, the audience wasn't expecting and makes an impact and and sort of get some attention and 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 create some <clears throat> some interest but ultimately you know the what the measurement of success of that is for that audience to hopefully have learned something mm. and then apply that understanding to their consumer choices in in that environment where we're working with consumer brands 
the ultimate aim is to is to recruit fans for the brand who by learning something in a way that has been genuinely um, impactful they retain that information then have a, a closer association with whichever brand we're we're working with and and is the brief i'm always curious to ask um agencies such as yourselves that have such a strong um a strong sort of bond with a creative a, a, a dynamic creative approach to, to events for their clients is how clear the brief the initial brief is that you get how clear an idea do the, does the client have in terms of what they want to deliver and build and where they what how and how they want their brand associated with mm. particular marketplaces if the brief is too strict i'm guessing does that stifle creativity sometimes from your point of view uh, I, I think it, it can be varied, and, and I think, in all honesty, it probably reflects the closeness and the longevity of the relationship. So we, we have noticed, um, and particularly the last couple of years coming out of all the lockdowns where everything was sort of thrown up in the air and almost started again to some degree, mm -hmm. um, we've got, what again, you know, a throwaway internal term we use is a blank page brief and we do find and and this this has happened on several occasions in the last 12 months where a brand that we have known and we've worked with or or a uh, you know or a, a corporate client they have called us up and and have said we know we want to activate something in the next 6 12 18 months we're not entirely sure what purpose platform or um you know scope that might look like but we know we've, we've got a bit of a campaign and we know what we'd like to achieve and we often come in and then we will construct with them what falls out of that and then that will then form the brief very rarely at the moment do we receive a brief of project x for a, a certain number of people in a certain location or a certain budget it seems to be far more nuanced than that and I think the other the other element that I've certainly noticed is we tend to be brought in on um, multiple agency uh, situations. Far sure, from right. yeah, yeah. we're often briefed at the same time as the mm. digital agency or the above the line agency or the out of home agency. And certainly, in my experience, anyway, that wasn't necessarily the case a few years ago. We would, you know, the the above the line campaign would be well and truly set in stone and perhaps even underway before how that was going to activate in a third space would be thought mm. of whereas now we're right up front um which is fabulous for us because we we sort of get to have an opinion and and curate um yeah part of what becomes our brief which is which is a a, a very fortunate position to be in and you become a key stakeholder then in terms of how the i suppose the the, the, the genesis of some of those ideas may may, may come to fruition um you know if, if you can work hand in hand with the other key elements of that overall strategy then instead of coming into the party further down the line as was the case when you know agencies were you know first looked at you know the, as you said sometimes marketing campaigns ad campaigns things like that they're already well up and running and effectively you would have to tailor what you're doing to, to, to in effect suit what was already being put out there as, as a message where I guess you have that ability to work with these people now at an earlier stage you can maybe give some of your live event ideas which can shape then how other elements of the campaign are going to go oh most most definitely and I you know, 
I am not. We are not marketeers. We're, we're not a, an advertising or, or a, a PR agency by any means. But I think one thing I've, I've noticed again is, you know, following the consumer trends that we've all seen uh, and, you know, over the last sort of number of years, um, you know, consumers are, are buying into and supporting brands or products or, or firms or entities that they really share a, a belief in and it's a, a two-way street and mm. how we see that manifest in a tangible way is we will often be involved in a strategic setup circumstance where the end the end client the end um, your brand or entity will know how experiential their sorry know how crucial their experiential activation is even though the the live audience reach may be relatively finite or modest the content that we take from the third space and live live activation that is obviously then wrapped up and becomes an authentic mouthpiece for a bigger message mm. so the, the the content from the live activation can often be a very very important intrinsic part of the wider uh, positioning that uh, the end client uh, is intending sure so it's uh, it's quite it's been quite an interesting change in how we work uh, that we're far more integrated into the bigger picture than perhaps we were five years ago so and, and I don't think it's, it might be a slight digression, but just, you know, one of my initial um, responses to that is is the world of influences, uh, influences on, on social media and platforms like Instagram, particularly where, you know, I've seen examples where it, the the initial event that has perhaps been hosted by a brand for celebrities and influencers has has been recorded and elements of that footage have then been used in the further advertising of it so mm. so that that activation had to come you know as part of the initial phase of the campaign in order to create the assets and the content that is required for for, for you know the campaign further down the line so you know the the the, the use of influencers and celebrities i suppose particularly with with you know consumer brands is is very much a driving factor i guess behind some of you guys being involved at that earlier stage yeah most definitely it's all it's all part of the same play these days and and particularly around digital as well so quite often um we will be briefed in tandem with a digital agency this is obviously more related to consumer brands sure, and yeah yeah brands um but i think again it i i found that hugely beneficial um, because all, all again, we, we don't claim to be a digital agency, and those that we've worked with in a, in a partnership model with our own clients have all been brilliant at what they do. But we all work at very different timelines, mm. so it's it's really important. That, and I think that the most successful executions have benefited from us having a conversation very early in the process of you know, when will a digital rollout be. Be able to go live and that may be six nine months down the line well that will then inform what we think we should be doing in third space and where we should absolutely be uh, activating to a live audience and sharing content and become one part of one overarching kind of piece of content that's seeded through all of our different channels Hmm. I, I want to go back, if I may, to, um, to, to to the core of the business and to to chorus itself and how you operate, and just uh, ask really whether or not this um, uh, this 
creative always been the king the the, the theatrical elements of, of the production um you know all of those sort of that side of things has did the company start with that ethos or is it developed to create that was it something that from the moment you started the company you knew this is what i wanted to have yes i mean it, it's we haven't really created and i think it just reflects the people involved so the you know the, where we keep we we often talk about you know the theatrical sensibilities of of the agency and you know we, we have in-house um creative and technical production as well as you know the producers and and, and project lead, project management. Um, it comes from the, the experience of the individuals involved. Many of us are from theatrical background. We started in right. theater, or we started at rock and roll touring, or film or television production. Some people are ex-performers, you know, in front of as well as behind the camera. And I think it's, it's just that sort of uh, collective experience that we bring that, that approach. And we've all sort of, Many of us have had long and winding roads, you know, in our personal careers, and we've all come to uh, a live event and slash creative agency model with that theatrical background, and that that's what tends to, I still think, inform everybody's instinct and natural opinion. And I, I mentioned before, you know, we we like to think that we still retain a bit of a theatrical production company um, atmosphere. You know, when I worked in theatre, you, you'd do touring shows for three or six months, and there was a real, a real bond between those, those individuals, both you know, the cast, the the talent, and the crew, and and I think we we try, we don't try and create that. I think that exists, but mm -hmm. we're careful to try and protect and enhance and and encourage that um, as well. So that that's that's what I talk about when I say theatrical state of mind. And, and I guess when, when we bring it all back to the experience that the attendee is gaining from something like this, is anybody, you know, if you're a theatre lover, that feeling of walking into the stalls and taking your seat and the lights going down. If you're a live music person, walking into the venue, be it an arena or a small club and the lights go down, that wow. moment that you get, that five seconds... Just, just as they're going down and that anticipation of the first chord being hit or the first note being struck up by the orchestra, or the first actor walking on stage and delivering the first line in scene one, you know, whatever that may be, that anticipation as the audience member, as the attendee, if we can translate that into an experiential event, into a corporate event, into a consumer-facing event, regardless of what it is, it, it, you know, if we can just get capture that five seconds of anticipation, I think you've probably done your job right, haven't you? Oh, we should hire you as a spokesperson. That's precisely that's precisely what we stand for, and that that is that is absolutely it. I mean, I, I couldn't put it anywhere any any better than that. And you know that that's the spirit of it you know for us as a group of individuals of what we just honestly think and mean and want to achieve and then when you apply that to you know an agency environment i guess where that becomes tangible is we're storytellers and it's all about communicating either a piece of information or an emotion or a personality and you break that down through Great scripting, great lighting, great cues, great direction, great audio, et cetera, et cetera, great content. Mm. And I think that's that's precisely where where we would like to think we sit. Um, and 
it's, it's interesting because we, we have, and we're very lucky enough to have quite diverse uh, client roster. We, we work with corporate clients, uh, media, um, consumer brands, which is, you know, as we've been talking around, luxury brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the common thread, and, and this is how I would introduce us perhaps to, to somebody who we hadn't worked with before, is the common thread is that storytelling. So we, you'll be, we often get approached when it, it's about making a mark on an audience. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's lovely that people think of us in, in that way. But that is hopefully what we can bring to, to a project. Mm, absolutely. For some, for some reason, this, again, is random, some of the stuff that pops into your head. When you, when you do the podcast regularly and you're listening to, 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 to somebody and you've got a particular subject in your mind, th- things pop into your head that, that you haven't thought of for years and something just popped into my head and it was, um, it, it was the E.T. ride in Universal Studios in Disney years ago. And I'm going back probably 25, maybe even 30 years now to when I was not even quite a teenager, I don't think. And I, I guess that's sort of one of my earliest examples that I can think of, that I can reference of. an experience Mm. you know uh, you you, you, going going out there and seeing how they did things how they translated you know a two-hour movie into a six or seven minute experience that put you in the heart of the action um i just suddenly remembered as you were you were speaking then that that experience i got of you know if anybody can remember it at all if anybody ever went to it you got on a bike exactly like the kids in the film did you know the lights went down you you were in like a big shed and then suddenly the lights went down and you weren't you could feel movement but you couldn't see what was happening then the lights came and for six or seven minutes you were basically placed right in the center of that movie and you came out the other side with an experience that clearly has lasted with me because even though i've not thought of it in years that conversation that you and I are having has suddenly provoked that memory from 1992, I think it was, when I went there. And that's exactly what we were talking about, what, 15 minutes ago, is, yeah. is, is sowing a seed in there that maybe years later or months later, it you know, invokes that memory. Absolutely, and job well done. And, and hopefully when you were in that experience, you went back to being in a, your local cinema with your parents or... Yeah. on your sofa at home in your pajamas allowed to stay up late and watch it on television or whatever your you know your childhood experience was and that's that's it and there's you know, there's no it, it's not a coincidence that so many of the the real cut through experiences at the moment are connected with that sort of um you know filmic storytelling like the stranger things activation mm. that's happening at the moment and there, there's yeah. many of them and 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 you know some of them are absolutely brilliant. When one project we're we're working with at the moment is we um, we work with uh, Mont Blanc on a global level, and we are right. in the process of designing um, a global toolkit for both offsite and in boutique activations uh, around an upcoming um, product launch that they have in 2023, which I obviously can't mention. However, that same artist has a an existing immersive experience which is currently rolling out around uh you know some of the big galleries in the world and again it doesn't necessarily just need to be about hollywood film creation Uh, it's about it's taking that ethos and applying it and you know the other trend that you could tie into that is the collaborations of the world and so many of, of the big brands are really tying themselves 
to productions or talent or shows or artists again yeah. as a as a as a way into providing that experience how do, you know how does a yeah. how does a, again we're talking about consumer brands but how does a brand try and give a member of the public a genuinely affecting moment you know because so so many brands can end up just talking to themselves you know the you know the consumers aren't interested in just being sold to particularly younger demographic these days so there needs to be a collaboration and angle some way to giving them as you know an authoritative way of having an opinion and that collaboration through uh you know cult and and um you know cult references media references is a way to to give a give more brands and more more clients a voice well art is an interesting one if i may touch on that a second because you know i've seen a few art installations just in the last 12 months but i think three examples that are tapping into the fact that from a, a, a technology point of view people are better equipped um and have taken advantage of the fact that everybody's got an iphone and you know a lot of people generally have a pair of headphones or some airpods or something in their pocket a lot of the time now and um i'm loving how you know art installations now becoming much much more accessible in some respects and i know that that's translating you know right from the lowest end of the your local art gallery right up to sort of significant art installations in in globally recognized institutions whereby they are not just a space where people walk around and talk quietly anymore and look at the artwork that's in there they themselves are becoming real sort of immersive experiences aren't they because you can you can do so much now just even with the basic technology that people are carrying in their pockets oh absolutely i mean a, a passive experience is is very hard to um to really make an impact these days i mean that, that's not to if we're talking about art that's not to take away the the joy of attending an, you know, an, an exhibition of of someone's whose work you admire but if it's if it's you bring it back to our world of how we interpret art as a as an experiential agency it needs to be a, a conversation with two-way streets and, and we we feel very strongly um, and we talk to our clients about this all the, all the time. I mean, we feel very strongly that uh, you know an emerging trend is um, is immersive experiences that people co-create. Right. And I think you know just just to be in a in a space and feel transported is, is one thing and done well. It, it's it's beautiful and very impactful. But we really do feel that taking you know the arts as a as a steer and as a north star you know being able to co-create and contribute to to the art or the environment around you is going to be something that i think we'll be seeing a lot more of and um you'll see that there's an awful lot of again coming back to the collab um topic there's an awful lot of global household name brands in 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 every possible industry who are connecting with a with an artist, some some well known, some not so well known. But again, it, it's a way of giving that brand a voice in a topic that perhaps it would feel slightly strange if it just came out and had an opinion on something. Mm. Whereas through a collaboration, through aligning themselves with a particular artist and an approach, it means that they can then talk on perhaps some more wider societal topics or 
or in whatever you know points or purposes they want to talk about sure yeah and, and i guess it's you know driven in some part perhaps by you know consumers well not just consumers but in the business world people being um less easily fooled by traditional methods i suppose if if if, if if that makes sense is that you you have to be a little bit more articulate a little bit um more on point with your sort of you know your social message that you're putting out there when you're trying to promote a brand or a product or something it it, it can't be the advertising of 25 30 years ago anymore if you're looking to, to 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 get a message or a brand across to somebody or a product it has to be a little bit more tapped into the sort of the, the modern way of thinking which is why there is a, a need and a desire maybe to go and engage with some of these artists be them musical, be them in a traditional sense, you know, whatever they may be. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, people want to know what, what you stand for, um, way, way beyond the, the product or the service or the, uh, you know, the entity that, that the end client might be. And, mm. and, you know, the added layer of that now is, which I, I think is a very healthy thing, is there's a, you know, a, a very... As I said before, yeah, the audience is very educated, and there's a there's a very healthy cynicism to to brand messaging, mm. and and you can see if you take something like sustainability, where you know so so much of perhaps what was the initial generation of that has been exposed as as greenwashing, really, you know now if 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 a if a corporate or a brand is going to have a stance and have something to say it. It had better stand up for scrutiny, and it needs to be authentic and sincere. And um, the way to the way to try and communicate something honestly is to perhaps have a third party validate you, as sure. opposed to just you know a brand talking to an audience, which already feels ancient history, even if it was you know, only a few years ago. Mm, absolutely if i may but we're getting towards the end of time here but um i just wanted to touch very briefly if i could on on the the technical aspects of actually delivering the actual events and experiences that that you will spend no doubt weeks months years sometimes planning creating yeah. the has the has the technology the hardware side of things and the developments there uh, and i'm talking about you know traditional you know things like uh, the, the availability now of really, really good quality, high definition LED screen, um, you know, higher quality sound systems that are available in smaller packages. So you can be a little bit more discreet in terms of how they're set up and, and configured um, the way things are operated remotely, you know, using things like iPads where you would you need to have a console 12 feet wide, you know, uh, years ago. Have the, the advances in hardware allowed a company like yours to actually um be even more creative because you could because of how you can design a physical space absolutely and and you know and it evolves so quickly and it moves at such a pace you you need to proactively uh try and stay stay you know in touch with all of the developments i think the first thing is is just simple commerce you very very complex technology has become affordable and viable so there is now you, know, that you can you can use uh, something that perhaps a few years ago would have been out unaffordable or out of budget for for a lot of projects. The other thing I would say that's probably had its biggest impact is that that much of this new technology is universally available. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, we we do a lot of um, 
global design where perhaps we're, we're designing a concept that we might stage the pilot, but may not necessarily stage the subsequent events in different parts of the world. We've always been very sensitive to create something that you could deliver in Kuala Lumpur as well as Johannesburg or wherever it might be. So I think that universal um, uh, availability is a huge step forward. Mm. Um, and and also becoming user-friendly. Uh, you look at the, the advances in wearable AR just in sure. the last couple of years. Suddenly it's not cumbersome. Sudden, suddenly it's mm. it's not a barrier to entry. It's something that you can uh, you can incorporate with a live audience without it feeling clunky or or it becoming overly expensive. So, I mean, I it, it's uh, yeah, everything moves so fast, but I think it's making it accessible for as many people as possible is probably the biggest change that yeah. I've made. Absolutely, yeah, and that that translates right the way down. You know, going back to something that you and I, you know, said just off air when we were just having a little bit of a conversation pre-podcast about you know audiences and 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 you know who might be listening to this. You know, I, I think things at, at the top end of the industry absolutely do translate down to you know large, medium, smaller. You know, even you know, 10, 20 people events now. The technology that's available, you know, and even referencing back a few weeks ago, you know, medium size event, Event Tech Live uh, that I work on at Excel in London. You know, because wireless headsets are now completely and readily available, um, and we ha we've had them there for years, so that people can just put a headset on and listen to the conference content on the show floor without the need to to have loud PA boxes. You know. Uh, um, we now have a second channel set up with a translator sat on the other end of a, a Zoom screen, um, you, you know, relaying a live interpretation into the second channel of the headset. So we had a delegation from Spain visit. They put on a set of headsets, flicked it to the other channel, and they were able to watch a session with a live translator giving them the translation. We were able to do the same via a technology platform, but put closed captions on a screen, just using an algorithm through this platform that, that spits back out the text straight onto a screen fully branded. It, and I mean, just simple things like that, you know, and that, that translates right down to 20 or 30 person business meetings now that use, you know, digital Q&A technology to, to allow remote attendees to, to, to pose questions and things like that. I think that the technology that we use at the top end quickly translates right the way through the industry. Oh, absolutely. And and the, you know, the, the output of all of that is, is it, you don't really notice the technology, or if it's done well, you don't really notice the technology anymore. Yeah. It's just inherently integrated in what you're doing. And as you say, that, that doesn't need to be a global film premiere. It can be, um, you know, day-to-day uh, working events. Everyone benefits from the, the functionality of the technology, but it's not, you know, it's not a faff. It's not hard to use. It's not difficult to provide instructions. It's multilingual and all those sorts of things. And it just becomes second nature, and that, and that's when technology really is working. When when you don't notice it, it's used correctly. 
absolutely absolutely we are uh, we're, we're towards the end of time on today's podcast it's uh, 40 minutes or so has flown past today with andrew um talking um well talking about loads of different things as i said uh, at the top andrew perrot is the managing director of london-based brand experience agency chorus we've been talking today about about some of the stuff that they've been working on with johnny walker blue specifically the premium um johnny walker brand and the activation that is ongoing at the moment out in Singapore, but by the time you listen to this, will have happened, will have taken place. Um, and no doubt, Andrew, you will have had the results of that and feedback and debriefs from the client by then. Yes, um, I believe it closes tomorrow. Um, and touch wood, everything's gone uh, gone to plan so far. So we'll um, we'll look forward to uh, showing some some feedback and some KPIs on that and doing some promotion around it next year. Yeah. Yeah, watch out for uh, on event industry news. I'm sure if, if there's any news and, and if it's made um, public through through Andrew's channels and through Chorus's channels, then um, no doubt that'll be picked up and uh, keep your eye on event industry news. Um, perhaps in the new year for any uh, any sort of follow up from that particular project would we'll be uh, would we'll be really interested to hear how that went and maybe get a bit more detailed info specifically on that project that uh, the people of event industry news can read uh, on the website at some point next year, Andrew. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, thank you for having me, James. Not a problem at all. Before we go, we should uh, we should uh, allow you the opportunity to maybe give uh, some some blatant plugging for Chorus. Um, if people want to do do want to find out a little bit more about the company, what you're up to, presumably social media, you're out on there and, and website things like that. Absolutely. Uh, the website is chorus.london, and you'll find us on all the the usual channels. So yes, please do uh, please do look us up if it's of interest. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. And uh, yeah, on the subject of websites, eventindustrynews.com is the place to go. If you're listening to the podcast today on your podcast platform, don't forget to head over to eventindustrynews.com where you can check out the latest news features, supplements, the A to Z supplier directory, and of course, video versions of all of our podcasts. Of course, if you are already watching the video version of today's podcast, thank you very much for joining us. Have a little look around eventindustrynews.com whilst you are here on the website. And don't forget get as well that you can go in the opposite direction and you can find audio versions of all the podcasts on wherever you get your podcasts from just search for event industry news hit subscribe and you can listen to all of the latest versions as and when they drop and of course uh, all the previous editions that we've done now crikey uh, 2023 is looming on me so i'm never quite sure how long we've been at this uh, this racket for but i'm guessing it's got to be at least sort of seven or eight years now that we've been doing the podcast so thanks to everybody as always who tunes in and listens to this regularly as always we welcome your input your thoughts your comments at event news blog on twitter is where you'll get event industry news on twitter and of course if you want to engage with us on any of the other social media platforms just search for event industry news and you will find us which brings us neatly to the end of today's episode of the podcast our thanks once again to Mr. Andrew Perrett from Chorus for joining us from their base in Fulham in southwest London. Andrew, very Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for joining the podcast and good luck with the remainder of the activation over in Singapore. We look forward to catching up with uh, what the company's been up to in the new year. Many thanks. Safe and happy Christmas to you as well, James. Thanks again. Tune in next time, everybody. See you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>